wherever there are shadows, there are people ready to kick at the darkness until it bleeds daylight. This is Bleeding Daylight with your host, Rodney Olson. Welcome to this episode. I hope you enjoy what you hear and you'll share it with others. Go to the contact page at bleedingdaylight.net to find links to Bleeding Daylight on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Please remember to leave a rating and review for Bleeding Daylight wherever you listen to podcasts. It's said that if you want something done, you should ask a busy person. Well, if that's the case, today's guest is one of the first people that you should look up. She's intelligent, capable and involved in so many projects. Today, we'll hear about the dramatic way she abandoned her Muslim faith to follow Jesus Christ. Karima Amorti is a singer, author, poet and playwright. She's the founder and CEO of No Walls TV, an award-winning filmmaker and a lot more. I'm so pleased that she's giving us some of her time today, Karima. Welcome to Bleeding Daylight. Thank you so much, Rodney. I really appreciate the opportunity to share my story, my, my conversion and my walk with Christ with your listeners. Thank you. I know that you've been a high achiever most of your life, but I believe that there was a time when all that success that you were experiencing just wasn't satisfying for you and it caused you to make a very important decision. Tell me about that time. Oh, wow. I love the way you put that because I was. I was the quintessential you know, African-American woman who is, you know, achieving all the things that everybody tells you that are important. And not that they weren't important, but they were put on a level that they should never be. Uh, I mean, I, I was making the six figures, working at the big time corporate job, at the car, the, the beautiful condo. Yet I was suicidal, daily panic attacks, anxiety, in so much pain from all the emotional stress because I had ulcers, biggest craters, could barely even drink water at one point. I was in so much pain. Given all kind of medicine, nothing was working. I was just a wreck. And no one knew because I was putting on a game face, you know, leave going home every day after work and literally staying up all night because I was afraid to sleep because I was having panic attacks that made me think I was dying all the time. Yet at the same time, Rodney, I was suicidal because I was in so much pain. I didn't want to live. So can you imagine the pull back and forth during that season of my life? You know, my sons were grown and I lived in this condo and I had a television in my, one of my rooms, but I'd only never watched television, but I had, I couldn't sleep every night. And I remember always turning my TV on eventually just to try to keep me from feeling fear by myself in my home. And then I remember the only time that I would get any solace, Rodney, where I would wake up finally, maybe 6 a.m. after probably going to sleep at 5 or 4.30 to get up to go to work was when the the television would be on a Christian television program. And I would be like, okay, I didn't make connection then. I just remember over a time that I decided to start just putting it on that channel because that was the only time I felt any peace. Now, I wasn't connecting it to that maybe it was something truth about that because I can tell you the truth, Rodney. I was born and raised in the nation of Islam. I've been a Muslim my whole life, went to Muslim schools. I prayed in Arabic, prayed five five times a day. I went on Ramadan, which is a a yearly fast. And I didn't want anything to do with your Jesus. I, I was good. I didn't have everything against him. I just didn't want anything to do with him. So I would, you know, watch that television station 
to just to get some kind of peace in a uh, to be able to sleep because of the constant fear I was in. And I and I mentioned this woman's name because, you know, this, the, the part in the Bible that tells us about the um, the Mary that was with the um, alabaster box who broke the um, perfume ointment and um, washed Jesus feet with her hair. He said that she would always be mentioned. So I mentioned a woman that um, this woman, her name is Rose Hunt. She was an amazing woman. Um, she was Christian. We both worked for this large corporation, but they had a nonprofit arm. I ran the education arm and she ran the um, community development. And if you're familiar with community development and your listeners, you know, it's always messy. People are always angry. There's always something going on with the community. Back and forth, tensions. See her get into these situations where people, you know, would talk about her, put articles in the paper. There was always something going on. And she would do things and say, I'm just going to make the enemy my footstool or, oh, I'm just going to pray for them. And I would be like, what? Pray for them? Are you mad? What do you need to do? Da, 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 da. But literally, uh, Rodney, I would see things just disintegrate. It would just go away. We have a nasty email chain. And she would say, I would pray. The next thing you know, people would be sending emails apologizing. I'm like, what? And I started to call her. <laughs> I started to call her the Teflon Don because I would be. It would like it would just amaze me how things would just not hurt her. And I, you know, and this is one of the points I always love to make when I'm talking, Rodney, is that when you're a Christian, people are watching your life, whether you recognize it. We don't say anything. I didn't say anything. I had lots of Christian friends. I love them dearly, still do. But I didn't want anything to do with their Jesus. Their life didn't, their 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 faith didn't make me want to find out what was it about. Were you vocal about not wanting this Jesus that they talked about, or in this case, weren't talking about? Were you vocal about that? Oh no, you don't be vocal about. It. You just don't want him. It's like okay, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I have my faith. You have your faith, and we're both just going to keep going with life, you know. And that's what I'm saying. People, you don't understand that your life is a reflection of your faith. And so, you know, inviting people to church and all those things are, are, are you should, you should, you know, do outreach, but. You know, I always say if your life was the only Bible someone read, what would it tell them about Jesus? So it wasn't her inviting me to church. It was about her living a life that made me envious and not in a negative way. I was like, over time, I said, what is it about this woman? I don't get it. Beautiful woman, great heart. But it was just her her faith was working in a way I had never seen faith work. Fast forward, one day she invited me to church. Now, you have to remember, I always had these jobs that kept me in the public. So I've been in many churches over the years, you know, had spoken. As a matter of fact, I enjoy going to church for, I'm a, I'm a worship leader now, I sing. So I love great music. And we all know there's a lot of great singers in the church. So I was never adverse to going to a church because I figure at least I can hear good, rousing music. And it was okay. But I went there, you know, going through all this turmoil. You know, it was a pretty cool sermon. Nothing, you know, that was like, oh my goodness, it changed my life. But then there were a envelope that there was in the back of the seat and they take offering really differently. They didn't really take offering. They would tell you there's envelopes in the back of your seat and on your way out, there's a bucket, just drop it on your way out. So they didn't really take offering. But on the on the offering letter uh, envelope that they had, it was a, a place to ask for prayer. Now, mind you, I have been going through so much. I have been calling my father. 
telling him that I'm reading the Quran, but it's not giving me any solace anymore. I'm just like really struggling. I didn't tell my dad to the extent I was struggling, but he knew I was really having this challenge with my faith or if, if not looking for another faith, but at least I felt that, you know, the faith that I had always had was not giving me any comfort. I didn't feel like I could go to it anymore. And he would send different imams to talk to me and it just wasn't working. The, the thing about it, I was like, well, I'm always was open for prayer. Many times I've been to church, I would always do a prayer request. And so this is another point I would like to make. Now, I wrote the prayer request and I said something to the effect of, God, I need you to show me yourself. I need you to show me you're real because I was feeling so disconnected. I wrote that prayer request and then I got a call from her pastor, which was so interesting because later in life, a young white pastor came into our community and was going to start a you know, a multi-ethnic church and Rosa left her church that she had been with many years to help him get started because she really loved him. And I was literally, I was from the mindset, oh, another white person is going to come save all the black people. And I was like kind of disdainful for it because that's how I kind of felt about the Christian religion, that it was a bunch of people who felt that they could come and save you. And I just thought, "Mm, I'm good. But I got a phone call with this. So I, I say this to my church, you know, even today, it's so important that we reach out to the people that when we give them prayer requests and different things, it had never happened in all the years I had been um, coming to churches, you know, even in my professional career, I had never gotten a phone call. So it, for one thing, it I noticed it, um, but I really, you know, I didn't know the phone number. So when it came, I did, it went to voicemail. And when I listened to it, I was like, Rose, you're... Um, your pastor called me. What does he want? I don't want to talk with him. I'm good. She's like, just go and meet with him. Rodney, this is the funny thing. They have been praying for me. So Rose, a group of her uh, people from her church and the pastor, because they were saying if they could get, because she knew there was something going on and she knew it was spiritual. But of course, I didn't understand things the way I do now. They said if they could catch a big fish, a, a well-known person who's Muslim and convert them to Christianity, oh, they're going to bring many people to Christ. And they were right. Because God, you know, with all humility, I brought a lot of people to Christ because of my testimony and my zeal for Christ at this point, because of what he's done in my life. I returned a phone call. We set up a meeting and I come into his office to talk with him. You know, what's going on in the community? Like I said, I do a lot of community work and they were very involved in the community. And then I show up and he has this book called The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. Are you familiar with that, Rodney? Yes, certainly. Okay, so I should have stock in that company. I mean, really, because I've like told so many people about that book. I bought it for a lot of people. I've sent a lot of people to it. It was a book by a Pulitzer Prize winning um, atheist who had set out to prove uh, that Jesus Christ was a lie. And at that time, 10 years ago, he had been a pastor 25 years. This book methodically laid out every or dispelled every myth or every belief system I had built up and been told about Christianity. And it was like two thirds of the way through the book. I was like, what is going on? I've been sold a lie. And I remember calling my dad, Rodney, and I remember telling him, I said, daddy, uh, my dad just passed about four and a half months ago. So it's still pretty new, but I did get him saved before he passed. But I remember calling my daddy and I was like, daddy, I don't know. I just, it's something about this Christianity that I read this book and all the things we've been told Dad, is not true. It's not true, daddy. And I, and I was so nervous because, you know, you know, in my faith, you know, to walk away from Islamic faith, all my family in Muslim, very a scary thought to, to leave what I've always known. And then so later in life as well. Um, but my, I remember my father saying, daughter, you're going to always be my daughter. 
And it was so freeing and so comforting that as much as it was against our faith, his love for me superseded anything else. And he knew in that time in my life, because he knew what I was going through, I needed something. A few days later, I remember, Rodney, I told you that I was having all these horrible ulcers. No medicine was working. So I had been raiding it. Now, this was a period over like a year and a half to two years I was going through this struggle. It got progressively worse. Now, it didn't start off as bad as it ended, like I was, you know, at the end, but it was progressively worse. I remember I'm waiting for like six months to get an appointment with a gastroenterologist for them to do a scope to help me find out what's going on inside of my stomach because all the medicine my primary care physician was giving me, all the different was nothing was helping. It was subsiding a little bit, but it was horrible. And even that morning, tried to drink water and was in excruciating pain just trying to drink some water. On my way to the um, doctor's appointment, and I was driving my car, and um, at the time, the driver's side windshield wiper wasn't working. Now, it was no reason. Ladies, we have to do better. It's just I didn't get it fixed. <laughs> we just do those kind of things. Thank God I'm married now. I don't have to worry about that kind of stuff. But I was driving to the doctor's office, and um, the rain broke out in like a monsoon. So much water that even if I'd have had a functional driver's side windshield wiper, I still couldn't have seen. It just all of a sudden broke out when I'm on my way. Now, remember, so I have to pull off because there's so much rain. I almost hit a car. Everybody was pulling over to the cycle. It was just that much rain. You couldn't see. So I pulled over into a Walgreens, which is a well-known pharmacy store in our country. And I pulled over and I'm like so nervous because I'm thinking, oh my God, it, it took six months for me to get this appointment. If I missed this appointment, I would have to get another one. And I don't know how long it would take for me to get in. And at this point, I'm in so much pain. I need to get to this doctor's office. And I'm sitting in the parking lot. And I remember saying, God, if you're God, stop the rain and get me safely to the doctor's office. The rain immediately stopped. And I don't mean like trickle is just stopped. It's not even naturally possible for rain to stop that quickly. And so it just stopped. So you can imagine, right? I'm freaking out. Like, what is going on? I'm asking for something without any real belief that it's going to happen. It just stopped. And then I had this thing. I drove a Volvo. And on Volvo's is this stuff that they put on your windshield that beads up. So with water, you know, doesn't stay as much. And I remember looking at my windshield and seeing that little water and then the water just dried up in front of me. So I'm like totally freaking out. The rain and just stopped. There's no water. I'm looking all around me. It's the rain raining everywhere. It's just stopped and no rain. It just stopped. So I, I pull out and start driving to the doctor's office. And so about 10 minutes later, I'm about to pull into the driveway. And I remember thinking, but you didn't say if it was Allah, the God of Islam or Jesus, you didn't say that. So how do you know who stopped the rain? So I pull into the, the doctor's office and I remember thinking, if you're Jesus, start the rain. And this is, I'm saying this all, if you Jesus, start the rain. If you're Allah, I wanted to leave, stop. About a second goes past and the rain burst out again, full monsoon. And I just remember thinking, but but I wasn't sure because it started it, it started back up in a second and not immediately. And I remember writing a voice is clear. The only time I've heard the audible voice of a guy is clear as I'm talking to you. I hear a voice in my car by myself. You ask me for confirmation and still you doubt me. And 
I was undone. So I I called Rose. She started screaming and shouting and praising hallelujah. And two days later, on November 17, 2010, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And my life has been amazing. Of course, I've had ups and downs and trials, but it's nothing like serving God. And I have been on fire for Christ ever since. It's an amazing journey. And, and I guess there's a couple of things in there. Firstly, you're talking about the way that we live out our faith is so, so important. We we often think it's just sharing beliefs with people. This is the list of beliefs that you must subscribe to, and it's not that at all. We need to, to live it out. But also the way that many times in the West, we've made Christianity the white man's religion somehow, and yet it didn't originate with, with white men. We know that Jesus would have had dark skin why do you think that we've tried to to co-opt Christianity and, and make it a white thing? I think that's just a, a point of greed in our way our fallen self is. Because unfortunately, if you look at things historically, religion has been used as a point of, of control for people in different eras and centuries of our history to control people. And so this is something that happened even back in the BCs or the, you know, even with Pharaoh and his people, religion was something that was always used as a control point for man um, because we try to become God and, and and that's the problem. And so everyone wants to control. And I think that's, it was a control mechanism. And because people used it to control people, it was a, to me, it was a demonic plot that kept people from t- for understanding that it was still real, Just, you know, because I remember um, that one of the things we said as Muslims, oh, that was the white man's religion. They gave you a Bible and put a, a rope around your neck. And those were all the images I have been given about Christianity. But that was a demonic narrative that has been carried out to keep people from understanding the reality and results of Christ and his word. And once you realized who this Jesus Christ really is, I know that you've made it your task ever since then to be telling many people about him. What are some of the things that you've done to to make that a reality for other people? I tell people they can argue with God's word, but they can't argue with results. And so what does I do is I, I'm, I'm very vocal about the results that I have in my life in every area. I attribute them to Christ. And I think as a culture, particularly this time that we're living in now, we're in the self-made. I did it by myself. And if we recognize God, it's more of a offshoot. Okay, but yeah, thanks, God. But really, thank me because I'm so wonderful. So one of the things that I'm very, very vocal about is that I do nothing without Christ. And I'm very vocal about it. I'm also very vocal about that Christ leads me. I mean, I tell people that the Holy Spirit even helps me dress. I ask him what to put on. And it's like so real. I, I allow people to understand that my everything in my life is led by God because that's what he wants. He wants us to have a relationship with him. This is not a religion. This is something that I'm in partnership with him in everything that I do. You know, I pray, I'm I'm listening to the Holy Spirit. I'm asking him for direction in everything. And it's just this demonstrating this dependency that is very beautiful that God wants us to have on with him that allows us to do exploits. He said, those that know their God will be strong and do exploits. And the reason I'm able to do exploits because I'm continually getting to know my God and continually leaning on and trusting him and depending on him for everything. Now, I don't believe in you have to do the work because, you know, without corresponding God, God works in partnership with you, not for you. He works through you. 
However, when you do work, allow God to work through you, you see amazing results in your life. And then another thing is that I'm not afraid to share the gospel. I think so many people are Christians or profess Christianity, like 84% in America. And but very few people, you can be on your job, but no one knows you're a Christian. How is that possible? And that allows we we've allowed our society to muzzle us. And I'm I don't work I don't do this. Oh, I got to beat you down with my religion. But I'm very quick to tell you how I have my results, and and they're because of Christ. Tell me about those that you knew from the days when you were living as a Muslim. What was their response when they found out that you had decided to follow Jesus? Like for instance. Your, your dad initially, but but others as well that you knew within the Muslim community? Oh, well, at first, no one would believe it because I was a staunch Muslim. You know, not I was very well. I was a matter of fact, I was the outlier and I really kind of loved my outlier status. I was a successful African-American woman Muslim. I wasn't Christian. And so in this country, you know, there's a primary religion is Christianity. So everybody's Christian, particularly in the black community. But I was an outlier and I was very proud of my outlier status. And I know that's one of the reasons why God, aside from the fact that I believe that I prophesied my my eventual coming to Christ, something I would always say. And the way I live my life as a Muslim, I would always say this. So I professed it and God knew it was the only way I could have it. I said, I got to go to heaven. It was very important to me that I went to heaven. But the heaven that I understood as a Muslim, as a Muslim but I would always say that. So I was I a perfect Muslim? Absolutely not. Am I a perfect Christian? Absolutely not. However, one of the things that I was always saying was that I have to do right because I got to go to heaven. And if you're familiar with the story in the Bible of the man Cornelius that sent his people, his servants, to um, Joppa to get Peter off the roof because the angel had came to him and said, your arms had went up to God. So he was a Gentile. He wasn't an Israelite. And so at that moment, God saw his good works. He heard him. He knew what he was doing for the world. And I believe that's why God knew that he had to get me saved because I had been declaring I'm going to heaven. And God knew the only way that I can go to the true heaven was to come to him. So I tell people, God loves you and knows who you are as a sinner. That's why he died, because yet when we were in our sin, he still died for us. So there's no sinner. There's no person that doesn't know Christ right now that Jesus isn't actively going after. I believe he's actively, and part of that is that it's through our lives. And so I tell everyone, you know, you are the light. And unfortunately, so many Christians, once we become Christian um, followers, if we're not taught correctly, we'll start, oh, I don't want to be around this environment anymore. All those people are so, they're so bad. They they drink and they smoke, they do all this. But look, if you're on a job and everybody is, you know, backstabbing and being bad, you're the light. Be the light. You're the light. If it's darkness, then the light, dark, darkness can't shine and light. Be the light you've been called to be. How are you there and you never invite anybody to church? So what it says is that are you living a life that reflects the Christ and the God that you're following? And so that's how we teach them over a lot of different small groups and lead in our church. And my biggest thing is that live a life. When you live a life that is clearly something special about it, people are going to want to know, are you the person on your job that is kind? Are you the person on you that don't gossip, that that works on time, that is diligent, that lives in a way that will make people see your life and glorify your God? I'm interested in some of the ventures that you've been involved in. I I mentioned some of them at the, the start of the show, such as recording an album, you're a playwright, and you've also founded the No Walls TV. Tell me about No Walls TV and what that's about. Oh, Rodney, you you want to be my best friend. Talk about No Walls TV. <laughs> 
No Boss TV is a 10-year dream, a 10-year vision. Literally, it was a vision. It was so much more even than that, but that was a part of a vision God gave me like a year into my walk with him. You know, to have television, because I've been a playwright, filmmaker for a number of years and done all kinds of stuff in the, in the artistic world for the enemy, for, for Satan, you know, because a lot of my works were, you know, very controversial and I don't want to think about that, but the gift that I was given was God. But I wanted, and as I became Christian, one of the things that I noticed that there was no platforms that were t- that Christian um, content creators or Christian artists broadcast their inform their 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 um, plays, sitcoms, their their ideas aside from sermons. If you know, we have a lot of Christian television that are sermon based or. Talk, you know, talk sermon based, which is wonderful. We need them. However, we didn't have a platform that a Christian, you know, director, playwright that had a, a sitcom or a movie or a cooking show or a talk show that uh, a comedy show could take their product that they produced and broadcast it. So that was a dream that God had given me. And I didn't know how it was going to come to pass. And fortunately, you know, my my husband and I, when we got married, I told him about the dream because I tried to do it through money. I gathered a lot of people when I um, first became Christian and nothing would work. And so about a year and a half ago, I started on the journey again to start a television network. It's called No Walls TV, um, a Christian television that entertains, educates, makes you laugh and informs. And it's a platform to take God out of buildings and into everyday lives. People have been given this complete misnomer that Christians are homophobic and racist and hateful is because we don't have a, we, we don't have enough uh, platforms that share the truth and the true narrative of who we are as Christians. So people are going to go by what they see and hear. And so we have to create platforms that allow people, a major platforms that allow people to hear and see Christian family values in their everyday life. And then, then the other side of how to, and how we're going to accomplish that is by providing a platform before Christian content creators to submit their television ideas, television shows, dramas, cooking shows, health shows. And that's what No Walls TV is for. And an interesting thing, we just went live. We're um, available now on Roku um, streaming platform, as well as Amazon Fire, several markets in California with the goal to be on at least a couple of markets in about 20 different states that are being broadcast over the air in the local um, local television stations. And so it's a it's a television network where people will be able to literally you can let your children watch television all day and don't have to worry about them seeing something that's going to plant a seed that could manifest for something wrong in their life. You're going to be able to watch great Christian programming. Right now, the goal is to find the content creators, just to develop it, to keep growing it, to keep letting people know what we're doing is to get people to join the movement. And because that's what we're calling it. No Walls TV is a movement to counter all the misinformation uh, in the artistic way uh, about how Christians live their life. Let people see television shows that reflect how we live our life. We have problems, we go through things, but our faith is our foundation and our faith is what gets us through. I find it very interesting that in a number of areas, you're using some of those things that actually started to bring you towards Christ. For instance, you mentioned that in those really dark times, there was that Christian television show that would give you peace when nothing else would. And you didn't know why, but you're now producing Christian television. And in the same way, you you didn't mind going to churches, even though you didn't believe the message because of that music. 
and now you're producing music that is is all about God. Have you seen the way that God has weaved some of these things through your life like that? You know, I'm like getting chills all over my body. Rodney, I never thought about it, particularly with the music, yes, but with the television, I never thought about it like that. Wow. Wow, that's so true. You know, this is why I love God. He just keeps revealing things to you through people. (laughs) No, I didn't. I looked. I knew it for music. Yeah, I was very cognizant of he was going to use my the gift he gave me to be able to sing in that way. But I, I hadn't thought about how Christian television really was something that helped me. I was watching sermons. I was not really paying attention, but that was the solace that I got. And that's what we're hoping, you know, we're believing and we know because God has given us a vision, my husband and I, for the television network, that people will be able to watch Christian television and then see who we are as Christians, see our life. And it's also going to have news shows as well to tell the good news of Christ. We're going to, because it's always, you know, one of the demonic plots, as you know, Rodney, is to constantly inundate people with horrible news, which makes them hopeless. And and you know, when people become hopeless, there's nothing left. You know, without hope, we can't, we just die. And so if you constantly are bombarded with the, the evil, the bad news and very few good news, you know, you have to try to act, find where's the good news? Where's God at in this situation? And that's what No Walls TV, our news, a program that we call Newsworthy. I know that it's very early days, but what's the sort of response that you're receiving in these early days for No Walls TV? It has been phenomenal for the people, and it's very, very early. So right now, our biggest um, challenge is to get the word out. And But everyone that I share with, that they're like, oh, my God, this is what we need. You know, our eye gates and ear gates, what we hear and see are so very important. So the people that I'm sharing about it are so jazzed. They're so excited. Um, they're signing up for the newsletter. So it's just a matter of the hard work of getting it out there, you know, and spreading the news and allowing people to know. And then the other piece is just... We are using some television shows that have been produced that we've got rights to use them. But our goal is to create content and bring the people to it. So the, the response has been phenomenal. There's so many young people that are growing up that are Christian, that have faith, that love God. They go to film school or they have this artistic ability. They have these ideas and then they go to the mainstream media and they basically shut them down and say, yeah, you can do this, but you can't talk about God. You can't talk about Jesus. You can do this. You can be any other faith but Christian. But you can't let anybody say that because then you're you're being racist or then you're being, um you know, um, triggering people. And it's ridiculous. And so I want them to know that they have a place now that they could get on television. This was not an easy road. And it's not I know it's not going to be easy because what we're doing is something that we know the enemy Satan doesn't want to happen. But yet God is still going to be glorified. And yet we're still moving forward with every challenge that we've had. And believe me, I've had many. Every door was slammed in my face. Everybody wanted me to be on their platform. No one wanted us to actually source the equipment and start a network that connects directly to the broadcast towers. And ultimately, our goal is to buy towers as well. So we not only have the the network on towers, but we're actually have our own towers. So when this world gets to where we know it's going, where they're trying to muzzle Christians, they won't be able to shut us up. Shifting gears a little bit, I want to talk about one of the other creative ventures that you've had, and that is your book, The Two Become One. Tell me about that book that you've written. The Two Became One. So that was my homage for women to to express the love that they have in, in their hearts for their husband to be or their husband they already have. At the time, I was I was not married. And um, it got to just put it on my heart. So it was this love letters, notes and wisdom about, you know, how to treat 
your husband, the king that you have been gifted with, because understanding that the women are helpmates and that, you know, ways to use words. And, you know, words are powerful because, you know, it says in John 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word is God. So as we decree a thing, it is established. So it was all about, you know, de- you know, declarations, love notes and, you know, wisdom to share with women on how to honor, how to believe God for the husband that they're coming and how to be- and how to honor the husband that you have. And it seems to have worked for you because, as you've mentioned, you are now married and and happily married and and working alongside your husband in in a lot of these ventures, aren't you? My husband and I, we truly, he was the most amazing gift I have ever received. I am so blessed and humbled. This amazing man of God loves me the way he does. He really is the best expression of God here on earth that I've ever experienced. I'm so blessed. And yes, I pray for him many years. And to see God give me so much better than I even prayed for it. I had some very specific criteria because uh, I believe you should, you know, write the path, you know, write the vision to make it plain. So those that see it can run with it. Habakkuk 2 too. So I wrote it down what I wanted and God totally exceeded everything I wanted. And yes, we do ministry together. It's so beautiful. We both have been married before. We both were divorced and I both have two sons and both of us wanted to be with someone who loved God equally as much. And we, when he found me, we were both doing well individually. He's an architect and I had several business, but now together, I was telling him the other day, we're a movement by ourselves, but we are a force together, truly a force together. It sounds like it has come together so well and you're so busy involved in, in so many ventures in sharing the gospel. And I think that the main one is just letting people know that there's a great opportunity to to live out their faith, that that does have an effect, just like your friend Ruth, who lived out her faith, and you could see that right in front of you. And it caused you to to ask questions, and it caused you to, to finally come to know Jesus. I'm wondering if people want to get to know a little bit more about you and, and all the things that you're doing, where's the easiest place for people to find you? Instagram. Facebook. Our website is nowallstv.tv. There's contact information. All of our links are on nowallstv.tv. Or you can um, go to our Instagram or Facebook. No, everything is nowallstv. Go to any of those nowallstv.tv or um, you'll see links to everything I'm connected to. There's no way to miss me inside of there. (laughs) Instead of trying to make you spell out my name, just go to nowastv.tv, and we're primarily on Instagram and Facebook. And you can also watch the television program on Roku or Amazon Fire, or you can actually go to the um, nowastv.tv and see it streamed live. And I will put all those links in the show notes at bleedingdaylight.net. So if anyone missed those, just head to bleedingdaylight.net. You'll be able to find them very easily. Karima, it really has been a joy to speak to you, to find out about this incredible journey that God has had you on and continues to have you on. And I just want to thank you for your time. And thank you so much, Rodney. And God bless you for allowing me on this platform and saying yes to um, sharing the gospel. Thank you for listening to Bleeding Daylight. Please help us to shine more light into the darkness by sharing this episode with others. For further details and more episodes, please visit bleedingdaylight.net.